Welcome to the Point of Difference podcast, a new AFL Fantasy Classic podcast brought to you by Keeper League Pod. On this episode, we review round two and answer your listener questions. Pod, pod. Welcome to the Pod Pod. I'm Doss here with Louie. How are you, mate? Good, mate. Yourself? Yeah, pretty good. Going all right and uh, very good after round two. My team's looking pretty nice in the uh, classic arena. Did pretty well for myself. And how did you go after round two? Yeah, I have noticed you've been grinning ear to ear all weekend, Dossie. I had a decent week as well. Big, uh, big bounce back from last week, actually. Yeah, what was your score in the end? Uh, I got the 1995, so just shy of 2000, but uh, that was enough to skyrocket me up the ranks because I think par was about 1900 this week. Yeah, and we weren't too worried about ranks sort of after that first round and you've managed to climb your way back up. Still still in uh, in line for that Hilux, Louis, like we thought at the start of the year, you and I. We're both ju- uh, the joint Hilux winners, of course, we pronounced ourselves. <laughs> well, that'd be nice. That's the goal, isn't it? <laughs> that is. Well, I, I just cracked the t- uh, 2000 mark, 2013. Pretty happy with that. And I think this might be one of my higher ranks. Uh, we've gone around, Louis, for myself in my fantasy career with the 327. That's massive uh, from overall. you, Doss. Getting up there. Usually, I sort of bounce back. I'm, I'm not usually good at the starting teams. I kind of bounce my way back throughout the year with my trading. I've always been sort of a, a okay trader during the year, but not not the starting team. But this year, luck has gone my way and we're, we're looking pretty nice. But- We'll have to just a few thoughts on round two before we jump into the game by game review as we do uh, week to week. Louis, any major takeaways? I think one of the big things we saw were the rucks. Are they are they back? We saw Grundy and Gorn performing well, both tunning up. Yeah, we did, but we also saw um, their counterpart, the rookies, scoring quite well too. So it's uh, tough to know which direction is the right direction. But geez, if you were a Max Gorn or a Brody Grundy owner, seeing that 108 and 122, uh, it's pretty good feeling. And maybe you're thinking that I can keep these guys for the rest of the season because it was doomsday last week. Yeah, and we did say probably to hold on to those premiums. We were on the side of just back him in one more week. Neither of us have the Gorn in our team. We, you have a Grundy, I think. I've gone the dual rookie rucks, but we've always been a fan of just backing those guys in. You picked them for a reason. Uh, some other things we noticed, I'm thinking, I mean, we've been talking about those outside, inside mixture of players, the guys that can win the uncontested ball, but also go inside a little bit. They've sort of been effective. We've noticed that a little bit early on, but also those high guys that can really get a lot of uncontested marks and and, te- and in teams with high-marking systems. We're seeing those guys thrive. Is that something we can look at looking forward to pick guys like that? And I'm sort of eyeing off in the, in the coming weeks. I wouldn't pick him off straight off his injury. A guy like a Mitch Duncan type, he seems a really sort of that mould that we'd be looking for in our teams. Yeah, definitely. Historically, these outside-inside players have been the best fantasy players anyway. So, immediately, I think of a Josh Kelly, a Zach Merritt, or a Mitch Duncan, like you suggested. So, I think that it's more of a case of the cream sort of rising to the top under the adjusted rule changes. I think uh, they'll come down a little bit eventually, but mm. at the moment, these guys are proving why they've been such fantasy guns in the past. Yeah, and I think with the, the ones with Great kicks as well with the new rules as well. Like a guy like Mitch Duncan, you want the ball in his hands as well. Probably doesn't hurt that you're wanting to get him the footy as well. Other things we notice as well, the kicking defenders on crap teams, they're just still absolutely killing it. And I've got my eye on a guy later on I want to talk about a bit about Jack Bowes. And Ooh. he's just a guy that's come to mind. A guy in a – I wouldn't say, I mean, the suns are rising. I'd still say they're still going to be – not up the top of the ladder for sure, and they're still going to get a lot of defensive uh, entries come their way. Just the guys that take the kick-ins, though. He stepped into that kick-in role, and we've seen a fair bit of a bump this year. I might match you a little bit later on in the podcast with a fellow Jack as well. Oh, I like that. And one thing that's come to mind this week that I just wanted to talk about and the validity of it, and we might also touch uh, on this later on as well, Stacking players from a very specific team, I might say, a very high disposal team, the Bulldogs. Is that going to be relevant going forward, stacking a team that just has that massive disposal differential every week? And it seems like the Bulldogs might be that team. We've got a two-game sample, three, if you include the Amy, of them doing that. Is that too risky? Obviously, the buyers we've got to consider, but 
a team like that and if we find other teams that do similar things, gee, they're just absolutely racking it up, Louis. Yeah, so you just touched on it, Doss. It's probably not viable until they're by. After they're by, if they're still scoring like this, then yeah, I'd be stacking dogs. Love to possess the footy. Unbelievable Saints. All right, let's get into our round two game by game review. We'll start with the Thursday night game, and that was Carlton going down to the Pies. Uh, just some notable events from that before we get into the fantasy side of things. Jamie Elliott going down injured. You reckon this could have an impact for a certain popular player in our forward lines? Yeah, so we were seeing Jamie Elliott and Jordan Dugowie rotating through that centre bounce uh, midfield group, and now that Jamie Elliott obviously spent more of his time up forward to put pressure on the scoreboard for Collingwood, which they haven't been very good at so far this season. So with him going down, I'm worried that Jordan Dugowie gets shifted into that forward line. Maybe they bring in like a uh, Greenwood, plays that centre role and- that's why we picked Jordan to go. We, we want that sort of solid mid-roll. He's had that 30-70 split in the past. We want 50-50. Yeah, and even Crisp sort of uh, stepping up and playing in the centre bounces in this game as well. Actually, we might touch on him first. Why not? Jack Crisp, a defender-eligible player, 117 points in this one with 36 disposals. Coming in and attending a few centre bounces, uh, he had 14 disposals and 43 fantasy points in the last quarter as well, if you don't mind, including a couple of freeze against, which actually hindered that score a little bit. Jack Crisp, is he a target for you going forward? Oh, definitely. I love Jack Crisp. He's someone that I've often started in my starting sides just because, like you saw, the 43 points in the last quarter. He's a burst scorer. In the past, he's sort of played that halfback rebounding role. He's getting centre bounces now, which he has sporadically in the past, but it's a lot of upside on his scoring. And even if he is going to play that halfback role, it's still Jack Crisp. I mean, it's going to be a top six defender. Don't mind him at his price. Yeah, I've got him in my squad. Very happy with that pick at the moment. Uh, Brody Grundy, we talked about it at the top of the show, but is he back? I think both of us, look, 122 points, that is back. No doubt about that. He had the 16 disposals, six tackles, and he's he's going at a monumental hit-out rate at the moment. Is this something that's sustainable? And are we going to see the Brody Grundy of the 120-point scorer week to week? that we've seen in the past. If he's tackling like that and he can get his hand on it uh, in the hitouts, then I think, yeah, definitely his flaws are 90. And as long as he finds the ball around the ground, which we have seen, then, yeah, I think he can average 120 again. Okay. I yeah. really do. I, I think it's probably closer to 110. But from what I've seen from Brody Grundy, I've seen one very good game and one very poor game. So I don't know where it lies right now. Yeah, I'm, I'm still sceptical. We're going to see those huge numbers from the Rucks uh, continuing uh, seasonal season along for this. We'll all have to double check those uh, stoppage numbers uh, going forward. I think he'll go in line with the trend. So he might drop 20 points, but mm. he might still be the top two ruckman. Oh, absolutely. Yep. Yeah, those two guys are still the top two targets uh, in your ruck line if you don't have either. Uh, Taylor Adams as well was back to his best, but is he a guy you see coming into top eight mid calculations, you know, dropping a pretty average score in round one? He's going to drop a little bit of cash. But for me, I'm on the side of no thanks at the moment, even though he's probably one of your outlier players in terms of your Zach Merritts and your Tom Mitchells. Those guys just always rack up the footy. I think Taylor Adams is sort of in that category, regardless of if he's more of that inside bull. I'd say he he does sit more on the inside bull category, which is guys I'm tending to avoid, but he can just find the footy as well on the uncontested pill. Where do you sit as him as a top eight mid calculations and when to target him sort of in that calculations as well? Well, I think he was a top eight mid last year, yeah. was he not? So, in the past, we've seen Adam Trelaw has been able to be a top eight midfielder for us probably the last three or four years at the Pies. There's a massive hole in that Magpies midfield group now. You've got ageing stars like Pendlebury, side bottom, and you've got young blokes like Sire in there. So, I think- He's sort of the guy that they're really going to be relying on. I can see a 110 average from Adams this year. I think he's a massive chance for top four midfielder. Okay, well, yeah, I'm, I'm, I want to see a bit more. Um, although, yeah, I, I can't really argue with that, the logic behind it. I do agree, though. He, he is a bit of a contested player, so I'd want to see him get it on the outside a little bit more. Mm. But he's a tackler too, so it's tough. See, that's where I think, you know, your crisp is the guy that I'd target out of those two. I just think he's got that ability to rack up those marks on the outside and it's sort of that player that you want the ball to uh, be using the ball in his hand as well. Uh, Yeah, I I just think 
that's where I'm leaning towards a player like a Crisp in this new setup versus an Adams. But although we'll have to wait and see where those sort of tackle tackle numbers go, which have been lower than previous years, which is what I'd probably be concerned with uh, with Adams. Now, I've got a couple of hold and trade candidates out of this game that that we've had. Now, we had... I just want to mention the Zach Williams debut. I, I don't really want to talk about hold and trade. I think if you've brought him in, you're going to hold him and see how that pans out. It's one game. But 63 on debut. He did have a game-high 10 clearances, though. Uh, not what you wanted, really, in your first game if you did bring him in just at that price tag. Not ideal, but there was always going to be some teething issues with coming into a new side and just knowing how these blokes play. I mean, you can train all off-season, but... Once you get into the real stuff, it's totally different. So, I wouldn't be too concerned about that 63. In, in fact, he saved it late. So, I'm probably looking at that second half of scoring and thinking that can repeat. All right. Hold or trade. Paddy Cripps. Underwhelming again. Yeah. Um, at his price point coming in, 718K. It was priced at 94. He's averaging 83. He's got 87 and a 79. He probably hasn't burnt you yet. I would maybe hold if there's no other issues and just see if he can turn around. He doesn't turn around next yeah. week, then yeah, maybe I pull the trigger on that one. He's the guy for me that um, he plays that contested brand of footy that we are worried about if you can't get the ball on the outside as much. And Patrick Cripps is just traditionally a guy that just gets so much contested footy. If it's zinging around and getting outside the contest quicker, which it has been this year so far, He's a guy I'd be worried about. In the wet, yeah, sure. Or in a game where there's lots of stoppages, Patrick Cripps is going to thrive. I'm, I'd be concerned and, I mean, if I was an owner, I'd be sweating. And like you guys said last week, maybe give him this round to see if he can right that wrong. And, and would you even, if you were an owner, Louis, would you be considering it if he does put up another poor score this week and yeah. maybe pulling the trigger? I think three rounds of data is enough to be able to get a rough idea of how your players or what your players' projected score is going to be moving forward. So, yeah, I'd, I'd probably watch this week, but I wouldn't blame you if you jumped off by all means. But, um, yeah, yeah, it's, it's a tricky one because we know what Patrick Cripps can do. Now, there is a lot of names from this uh, game that are relevant, but Sam Walsh, we're also just on the side. Look, you're going to hold him. Obviously, we've got a lot of probably got more issues to deal with, but Sam Walsh, He's still looking good again. It's just been a bit lower than what we'd hoped for early days. He's passing the eye test. If he could get mm. fantasy points for how good he actually looks out there, then he'd be top scoring. But unfortunately, he's probably going 15 to 20 points below what we'd like to see. But I've seen enough to suggest that he will get there. And what's your final verdict on uh, Jordan Degoe? He got the 90 in this one, but it was playing primarily forward. Not a ton of CBAs. I think it was five total for the game, which is not what you want. Not what we signed up for, really, when we picked him at the start of the year. But 90, that's nice. Is that 90 and see you later if you have the luxury trade? Um, I would be considering the luxury trade, but uh, if it's not there for you, there's there's no harm in watching Jordan Degoe and how he goes this week. He may still have the role. His centre bounces may even be increased because he takes up Elliott. So, I'm just taking a stab in the dark here. I think that he's an 80 guy anyway, so he's not going to hurt you if you do um, decide to move him on. But, yeah, I don't know. Sorry, if you do decide to keep him, but um, he's also a guy that could have gone, well, could go 110 if he's got that role. Mm. Interesting conundrum, the old Dagoe. I think I'll be holding for one more week as well and just see where the, the CBAs go, but I'm not holding my breath. To comes be up against Brisbane this week, who you would expect would be a little bit underdone given the COVID restrictions. So, we'll see how that goes. Paddy Dow. This is the last name we'll mention here. Uh, 39 break even. Obviously, I've uh, got a biased opinion towards the great man. He's had Richmond and Collingwood in the first two weeks. Pretty tough matchups, but the time on ground for me is a big issue with uh, Teague sort of giving him that low 70s, high 60s time on ground. Sort of the fourth or fifth midfielder in line, which is something that I haven't liked um, looking at players this even Even for a Jai Caldwell, that concerned me, and his ceiling has been higher than Paddy Dow's this year. So... What do you think with a 39 break even coming up against Fremantle this week? If he gets named, do you give him one more shot, Louis? No, I think he's a trade. With a 39 break even, I'd give him a 70% chance of actually hitting that. So, you know, the fact that he might not even reach 39, that's Come just on, a cash cow coming to an end. I I'll jump off now. If you've got to wait one more week, do it. 
But um, no, nah, I think his cash generation is coming to a swift end. Yeah, I don't want to make a comment, but Braden Campbell is a guy that I don't have at the moment with that negative two break even. I Perfect sideways. I don't I don't want to say it out loud, but uh, he, he's pretty tempting this week, Louis. Uh, Geelong, Brisbane, 81-80. Uh, some notable events from that one. Hashtag robbed were the lines. Uh, what's your opinion on that that tackle on the buzzer there, Louis? Oh, it was holding the ball. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> well, the AFL came out and ruled it. The other one was the big O hobbling around. Uh, if you saw that game, Louis, at all, he was just, his ankle was stuffed, I think, in the second quarter or something. Managed to play out the game just limping around there. But does that mean Fullerton might be safe in your rookie sort of uh, that green You'd dot might so. survive, even though he's been very With longer games, it's a nice rotation to have, even if Big O does play. So, I think, uh, yeah, probably good for Fullerton. Lockie Neal, a couple of real average average scores, and he was heavily tagged in this one by Mark O'Connor. Absolutely gloved him. He only had 16 touches, but that included 13 in the second half. So, three to half time, 51 AFL fantasy points. The tagger was back in this one in a huge way, but Lockie Neal, both, I want to hear both your thoughts on Lockie Neal and the tagger. Are they back? Uh, so, obviously, Lockie Neal came in massively overpriced to start the season. We've seen that he's had underwhelming scoring since then and he's going to keep plummeting down. So, he'll be someone we target when he's probably about 750, 700K. Who knows what he gets to? Is the tagger back? No. I think Mark O'Connor's tagging. I think Matt DeBoer's tagging. I think every other team tags when they have to, but it's not a massive worry. Yeah, Mark O'Connor's got the Hawks this week, though. Does he go to Your our man, boy, Titch? Titch. Well, that was you was mentioning pre-pod uh, before we went on air that you're thinking about bringing the great Titch in this week. I sort of mentioned, well, what about the Mark O'Connor factor? Is that something that's going to hold you back or you just back him in to break, that, break the shackles and, and put in a big performance? Uh, I think he, I think he'll break the shackles. I'm not sure Tom Mitchell was a high impact per possession player, and just watching him on the weekend, the speed at which he's able to unleash handballs is just next level. He does yeah. it within 0.1 milliseconds. So, <laughs> look, Mark O'Connor's not that good at football, I don't think. Um, Defensively, though, he was gloving that. He was gloving Neil pretty pretty well. Yeah. But Neil is a man that has, unfortunately, been proven now to be affected by a close close attention. I mean, Mitchell in the past, he has been gloved in the past himself, but I wouldn't say- We'll have to wait and see. I'm very interested to see how it goes. I'm a nervous owner though right now. I I really don't think Geelong will bother with Hawthorne. I I think they'll just go head to head and want to sort of nail out their own game style and and not worry about a tagger, to be honest. All right. Uh, Interesting take. So, I want to talk about a few more names here. Tom Stewart, he's been a a bit underwhelming a couple of weeks in a row, only in the 80s, but- uh, holding firm for the for the owners there? Yeah, so a lot of the complaints with Tom Stewart has been time on ground. Yeah, all he got that, stuck on the bench. All that suggests to me is that there's upside. So, yeah. if you trade now, you're locking in his 80 average and you're not going to get a piece of 90 averaging, 100 averaging Tom Stewart, which we know is probably going to come. I wouldn't say time on ground's a trend. It might be a bit of early management for the Cats, but- Yeah, what was annoying, and I saw it, somebody pointed it out on Twitter, apologies, I didn't see the handle, but- he got stuck on the bench during slow play when they were just racking up plus six in the back line. And I saw him sitting on the bench and I'm like, oh, this is when you want Stewart out there to just be getting those juicy plus sixes. I'm I'm an owner. I'm holding strong. Uh, Clark and Danaher, two mid-prices. They got 77 and 81 uh, respectively in this one. That's, that's good to hold for another week, you'd think, uh, as owners there for pretty highly owned Clark and Danaher. Yep, just hold. Uh, Isaac Smith, is he? Tempting you. We mentioned him last week in the 650K range. He's racking up those disposals and marks on the outside. He's got the 67 break even. Definitely. He's got a very fantasy-friendly role. Uh, it, it's very conducive of marks and kicking, and he gets on the scoreboard as well. So, I think he can average 90, but my concern is Mitch Duncan coming back into the side. He's probably a better yeah. player at that role. Fair enough, too. Uh, Harry Sharp looks, I'd be worried about the red dot from him this week, but at least we'll know early. It's the, the Thursday game, isn't it? So Yeah, and he's stuck in Melbourne, so um, it might just be that they don't have many to choose from. I'm Gee, just worried about who writes Harry Sharp's sick note on Monday. <laughs> yeah. Year 12 student. Yes. Uh, and I reckon just from draft perspective, you buy low on Brisbane players right now, don't you? Because they have had an absolutely stinking start to the season. 
that can't continue, can it? We've got so many guys averaging in the 70s and 80s, even a McCluggage. I think he's at back-to-back 78s. They're a buy low for me for draft. Now, to the Saturday game, Sydney and Adelaide. Buddy was back and rookies absolutely carved up. They were the top three scorers at halftime were Sydney rookies. Can you believe it, Louis? No, I couldn't. When I looked at my phone, it was just unbelievable. I think it was Campbell, Golden, and and McDonald hit the scoreboard to get up there. So, bright future at Sydney. And, and these three kits, probably two of them, Campbell and Golden, are going to be very good cash cows for us. Yeah, and if you're not on either, there's still time, isn't there? Because they're just racking up points. Uh, Braden Campbell was much more impressive um, this week than he was in round one. And with Richmond coming this week as well, I'm a non-owner of of Campbell, I think he's he's very highly owned. But if you don't have him, defenders against Richmond, they carved up last week. The Hawks had a stack of marks. You'd expect Campbell to be a pretty good scorer again and safe to field as well. Yeah, Tigers have always given up points to defenders, so I, I'd expect Campbell to sort of get that seventy scoreish. Louis, is Tex real? <laughs> um, the big Tex leading the Coleman. I think Tex's return to form is real. But as a fantasy option, I don't think it's real because he's got Sam Collins next week. He's got a minus four break even at the moment. Um, this is just off the That's cuff. Unreal. This is just my opinions. But um, look, if he gets a 40 or a 50 next week, which is well within the scope of a key forward, that cash generation comes to a halt straight away. And that break even is then 20 or 30. So many times I'm trying, I've already got mid prices in my team and they're, they're sticking around an extra week or two because I've got forced trades. You don't want Tex in your forward line if you can't get rid of him for a week or two because he's not going to dish you out something nice. At least with a Stevenson, there's a hope that he sort of recaptures that 90-100 form, you know? Gee, I don't know. With with the What we've seen from key forwards, they're actually suddenly fantasy relevant. Guys like Tom McDonald, just back to his you know 2018 form because of those inside 50s and the clean ball delivery coming in there. Guy like Aaron Norton, 77 followed by 91. Tex is a target down there. They're moving it okay in there to get it to him. He's the, the only big dog down there wanting the wanting the footy. Could you ride the break even as the devil's advocate for the people? I know it's been a Twitter question we've been floated. I'm probably jumping too far ahead. Can you just ride the break even though and just see where it goes if these key forwards are really back? I mean, it, like you said, a negative four break even unless he's uh, Harry Jones for me this week. He's probably not going to put up a twelve. He might get you a sixty at worst. Could you? Could you just ride the break even for Tex? You could. All right. We'll uh, we'll see how that goes for owners. I don't think I'm ballsy enough no, to do it myself. No, I don't think so. Uh, and what about Lloyd owners? And okay, two premiums here: Lloyd and Riley O'Brien. Are you staying strong with either of those two? Uh, so Lloyd, he was scoring well up until halftime. I expect that he's going to recapture that sort of one hundred and ten form. Uh, especially if Braden Campbell can get 96. So, we've seen what Jake Lloyd's been able to do. Uh, Riley O'Brien- Does the Campbell inclusion, though, and guys that are sort of better at ball use at Sydney, I mean, they've been pretty good in the past, though. That's probably um, mean to the older guys uh, distributing the ball back there. But does that take the ball out of Lloyd's hands a little bit more? And, you know, Campbell's such a good user. I think a lot of people saying he's probably a top three disposal. I think even you said in the preseason he's a top three disposal just about in the comp coming in out of the draft. Does that mean Lloyd maybe gets a little bit less of the footy in his hands? Yeah, so that was a major reason why I didn't start Lloyd, uh, just because there was so much conjecture over how good of a kick Braden Campbell is. I thought, well, why not kick it to Braden Campbell instead of Jake Lloyd then? Since watching them play, I think uh, Sydney still play a kick mark style in their defensive 50 before launching. Jake Lloyd takes the kick-ins, and he's still a leader back there. So I think uh, he might not improve on his seasonal average from last year, but I think it'll be thereabouts. Okay, so you're expecting some pretty big scores coming in for Lloyd in the coming weeks, and he might start this week against Richmond, who give up, as we said, a stack of marks to defenders. Riley O'Brien, though, 49.5 across two games. I shoved him out of my side after seeing that running gait uh, at the preseason game. I did not like the way he ran about. Legs just flailing all over the place. Can he return to his form? He's got wits this week. Probably won't get any easier. And then a North Melbourne matchup. Pretty two pretty tough matchups for hitouts. I think it depends how the games are played. Riley O'Brien really strikes me as a stoppage ruckman. And I think the fact that he's not getting as many of those is is really hindering his scoring. I mean, what is he averaging at the moment? 55 or something? 49 and a half. Wow. 
Okay, so seventy break even. He's already hemorrhaged one hundred thousand dollars. So maybe coaches who have that rookie R two or Dossy for the rookie R one R two. Maybe you just go to Rob when he does. Maybe find some form, but I'd be raising major flags for Ali O'Brien. Yeah, you've probably got to jump off. You're saying bank that cash and spend it elsewhere. Grab one of these. Well, even even a um an Essendon, which we're about to touch on Essendon, they're about to bring in. Uh, Nick Bryan, the the 170k basement guy, he might have to fill in for Draper for a few weeks as well. We've got yet another guy coming in that can be that cash grab that you're looking for and you can field your, the likes of your Meeks, your Flins. Probably we've heard that uh, Rowan Marshall is going to be out for another couple of weeks as well. You might even have uh, the Saints Ruckman as well to go Hunter one more week, a couple more weeks. Uh, anyway, it's a tough decision and a harsh start for Rob owners. Uh, Port Essendon. Port gave him an absolute spanking. You were at the game, Louis. I'll just go straight to you for a bit of the rundown. Yeah, so it was really good going to the footy for the first time in over a year. And yeah. a crowd actually being there was just nuts. It was so good to get a little bit of atmosphere back to footy and, and just see it live again because you catch so many things that you don't actually see on TV. Yeah. What did you catch, Louis, especially? What was your major thing off the cuff? Well, the Port Adelaide <laughs> players work extremely hard. So, what I was able to see from yep. behind the goals is that as soon as Port Adelaide were able to take possession, it was an immediate spread. So, Port yeah. are looking to get these sometimes uncontested marks, but more to move the ball forward as quickly as possible. But it's making for very good fantasy scoring. So Beautiful. That's that what was, we want to hear. That was probably why we saw that Zach Butters was able to get 36 touches. He was one of those guys that was constantly pressing out to the wing, attending the stoppage, getting a tackle, moving on. And we saw that with his fantasy score, which was 119. Yeah, a bit quiet the first week. I was actually a nervous owner seeing how he went about it because they had the easy matchup in week one as well. I was expecting a, a pretty solid score. Went quiet, but this game, he was all about it. Was he just off your eye test? We haven't had the numbers released to us yet. CBA data, you will be able to see the article on uh, Keeper League Pod on Wednesdays. That drops, I think, uh, by memory. I'm the one that writes it. I should know when it drops, Louis. Um, was he in more centre bounces this week? It kind of looked like it on the eye test, but maybe not. Just a wing? Yeah, uh Watching live, it was hard to tell just because yeah. you, you can't really tell who's in Sinking there. Sinking a few frothies with uh, Hef That's as well. That's it. Uh, I think he probably attended thereabouts the same, but it'll be good to get those numbers Wednesday. Yeah, we'll have to look. Now, there was a few big events that happened in this game that we'll have to touch on, not from your bias port perspective. Uh, Heppel, for me, was a late withdrawal, so uh, I don't think too many owners were, were uh, troubled with that one. He's very lowly owned. But Caldwell did a hammy in the game, got to trade him, Draper. Did an ankle. I think that's a likely trade as well. It looked pretty serious, unfortunately. And Shield, another serious injury there with his knee. Who's going to play midfield for the Bombers? Well, by stocks and Andrew McGrath and Darcy Parrish, I think, because that's pretty much 75% of their midfield gone. Yeah, there's there's not a heap to go there. I've got a few candidates here. Obviously, Parrish McGrath, you mentioned, they should get a bump, especially Parrish people. Um, that have been waiting for him to get that bump. He really didn't get the bump at the start of the year. They just moved McGrath back in there. So, maybe Parrish finally gets a full proper run at playing as a pure inside mid. I don't know. I'm, I'm still sceptical whether he does get that. He should, whether he does or not. Uh, Merritt, hopefully, just remains his role. Obviously, is going to stay the same. Does Heppel go back in there for me? No, I think the, the messaging line. from preseason is that line. Heppel's going to play halfback now. So, Nick I think that will continue. apparently got a couple of CBAs when all the others went down. That might have just been out of necessity, though. Yeah, maybe necessity, but that's good news as an owner. And then there's Langford, Stringer, and potentially Archie Perkins coming so, in. That He's been flagged as a potential debutant. So, if Langford is able to attend centre bounces, and I'm talking 10 or more, he's a serious option. He's a scorer. He's been able to average 85 in AFL Fantasy before, which puts him on the cuffs of being a top six forward. And that was when he was attending centre bounces. So, I think it was last year in the, in the back half, he went at sort of 105 to finish the year. So, he's someone I'd be looking at. All right. That's an interesting one there. And uh, Nick Hind, you'd be pretty happy with how he went again. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I was really is, keen is on him. Is he a target? Hey. Still, is he still a target? What is he, about 470 now? Yeah, he's still in the 400s. I reckon you're right, about 470, sort of what you're paying for the uh, the Stevenson. Oh, no, you're paying a bit more for Stevenson. We'll get to him. Don't worry about you, that. You could do it. I, I would have to see who's sort of priced around him and what their break-evens are. But I, I think Hine can average 80 from here on. And if he does, then 
if you think that's a good enough pick, then pick him. Yeah, it's it's getting it's he's now he's climbing in price. It's getting riskier every week. You don't if you if you got to do it. It's, this week's probably the last week you do it, isn't it? Yep. All right, and uh, Miles Bergman, he and Harry Jones, two rookies in this game. Harry Jones, gee, the the injuries are probably going to save him from getting dropped. You'd hope because he did not have a good game in this one. But Bergman. Is Jackson will hold his spot given Port's going so well? He, he sort of junk timed it to get to his score. He was really slow going early days. Yeah, he did eventually get going. Like you said, that first half was pretty hard to watch, but um, Hartlett didn't exactly do himself any favours in that side either. So he didn't look great. I think there's a spot for him until Bonner's hamstring comes good, which is three weeks away. All right, I hope hope that maintains. Saints, Melbourne. Melbourne got the chockies in that one. Uh, Jimmy Webster's out. I don't know how many people ended up. Picking him. Yeah, he was popular in the preseason. It but was. I, think, I reckon uh, it tailed off. There was a few in that sort of price bracket, including your Markovs and your Hayden Youngs, that I think people preferred. Or have he, to- he's that classic option you go cold on about a week before lockout, isn't he? Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, I think his ceiling in the past was only in the 70s as well, so it's not a guy that's super tempting. No, he's only 1% owned. I don't know if that's just- no, nah, see, not many people went with you. Yeah, so I, I would have thought that, that would have been up at 5 or 10 yeah, based on preseason. Yeah, me too. All right. Those 1% of owners, sorry, we're not going to talk about him anymore. Uh, this was a high-scoring game for Fantasy Louis. We had a lot of scores. Gorn obviously was back with his 108, 17 disposals. You just hold strong. Obviously, he's back. Hopefully, that maintains. James Jordan, he's been a surprise pack at 105. People without him have got to jump on, don't they? Uh, what, what's he priced at? What's his break even? It'd be out of this world, I think. So, if you don't have James Jordan, get him in because he's going to make and put him 60 on the field. 70K this year. And sorry, this week. And yeah, he's he's definitely- 282,000, negative 39 break even for James Lock and Jordan. load. Lock and load. And a 105 from a rookie is just gold. Like we've seen yep. the Rouse and, and the Walshers of the world, but this is your pretty much your standard 170K bench rookie that you pick in previous years. For him to dish out a 105, huge. He's tackling as well. So, he, he's laid- a decent amount of tackles first week. I think it was nine this week. He's not racking up a super amount of disposals. Playing, um, I reckon he had a low time on ground. Oh, he's had a low time on ground both weeks, 73% and 65% on time on ground for his 100 this week. But he's laying those tackles, which might be a concern going forward to maintain that high scoring. This was a high scoring game, as we said. I wouldn't be confident in an 80 to 100 every week, but you've got to just get that cash gen while you can and obviously just field until it fails for me. Uh, Oliver and Petrarca were prolific as well, 130, 124. Oliver's still super tempting. Is Petrarca, would you come around to him as a guy being someone to target? Uh, I actually like Petrarca more for 70K okay. less just because um, I think he's got more of a- he, st- he fills every stat line, whereas Clayton Oliver is very heavy on the handballs, albeit he gets about 40 disposals. Uh, a question for you, Doss. Um, they come up against Geelong, not this week, the week after. Who gets the Mark O'Connor tag if the tag is real? Oh, Petrarca, doesn't he? Because I think it's like you're saying, the the person that's the damaging, the damaging possessions. Now, Oliver, if you look at the- advanced stats i'm sure has similar advanced stats to to a tom mitchell who who sort of gets that drive uh, and his clearance works fantastic i reckon you'd go to the petrarca to start with and plus the added bonus of if he goes forward o'connor can just follow him forward and not leave his side because he's also a yep. a lockdown defender down back i'd say they'd go petrarca but you might maybe switch it up if one's dominating the older yo shui debate that they've had in the past from a collingwood perspective in that grand final didn't know who to go to it's a good uh good system good spot to be in for the d's salem though he is he an option down back as well 119 have you got your eye on him it's probably a bit weirdly priced and there's probably other guys that we're looking at ahead of him, but 119 is a very nice score. Yeah, he's an awkward one at his price. He's someone who has been in my fantasy team at um, various different points in the last few years because he is able to to get on the end of a decent score with his kicking. And what I've seen from Melbourne so far is that they want to launch the ball from their defensive half. You're seeing Stephen May and um, what's the other key forward, uh, Jake Lever, just intercepting marks all the time and they're distributing it and launching from there. So, I think he's in the right role for a good fantasy scoring um, player, but I'm not sure he's in the right team. Yeah, I was wondering, I thought guys like uh, Trent Rivers might take a big step up this year and the fact that they haven't, it kind of makes me more tempted for a Salem type because they've got to give it to someone 
and it still appears to be Salem. I thought that might have been distributing the love around a little bit, but Salem's the guy by the looks. Um, had a little bit of a quiet first week, but he's bounced back. Uh, yeah, I'm going to monitor him. He's a guy I'll monitor and see if he really is in that sort of bracket of elite defenders uh, scoring-wise in fantasy. Def- uh, disappointing in Jack Higgins. Lucky I didn't start him. I was tossing up between him and some other options at that awkward price. Uh, I think I went with Butters in the end, ironically. Um Higgins, just not a fantasy option until we say something happened. He's just been really disappointing. Yeah, he doesn't have that midfield role, which you'd want for starting him in your forward line. And Brad, uh, Brad Crouch is back this week. I think some people are tempted to jump straight on board. I am. Yep. You're tempted. Is it just the price or do you reckon really fantasy-friendly role? We've seen Gresham and Seb Ross uh, thrive in those sort of roles. Gresham especially for me has looked... Very, I've always liked Gresham as a fantasy option. He reminds me a lot of Dane Zorko, the way he goes about it. Um, with Brad Crouch coming back, you know, we'll see where that goes. But what tempts you about Brad Crouch? Uh, just two weeks of data to suggest that Saints are going to be a pretty good fantasy scoring team, which we saw last year. And at his price, 700K, uh, I think that's probably 10 to 15 points unders for a form Brad Crouch. All right, I like But it. I'll probably have a look at him. Yeah, and uh, one of the guys that I'm still monitoring, but I, uh, you know, I'm, I'm very skeptical on being a premium premium midfielder, uh, is Jack, another Jack Billings. He's had an outstanding start to the season, but high mark totals, and you, he's the guy that we thought though. Exactly, he's that inside outside player. Exactly. Yep. Is this something? You, could you? Is he? Like, I'm wondering from my perspective. I've looked at him a couple of times. Like, could I? Could I go there? And I don't want to because we've seen the low side of a Billings and it can be a 50 or a 60, followed by we've seen the best of him, which is can be. A, he's scored a 170, has he not, at AFL level. That's the kind of player that he can produce. He's, he's looking more gaff-like than ever this year. Do you see yourself sort of monitoring his progress or is he a guy you're just going to avoid? I'll monitor him and if he picked up forward status, it would almost be an absolute lock and load. It's just a bit of a worry how he fits into that midfield with Steele, Crouch, and Hanabry probably ahead of him. And then you factor in Ross and Gresham on top of that. So, we'll see how he goes. Gold Coast North, the final game of the round. Oh, we've got one more after this, actually. In my- oh, we've got a... Final Saturday game, Doss. few more to come. My bad, Louie. I'm getting a bit ahead of myself. We've spent a fair bit of time. Might have to jump quickly across a few of these matchups, but we don't have much to talk about in Gold Coast North. No, Gold what a Coast perfect absolutely one spanked through. them. But Stevenson, the big one, only the 51 fantasy points, 14 touches, playing a bit more forward, it looked like as well, with Anderson back again. Check out the CBAs to to double check that. He had 10 last week, I'd suggest it was not up to that. Yeah, he had three or four on the weekend. And what we touched on last week was that Anderson did come back. Cunnington didn't, but Anderson yeah. did. And, and uh, Cunnington's back this week. Back this week, confirmed. confirmed. So we saw that Stevenson was already knocked down that CBA order. And I think. He might just get knocked down again. So, that 51, gee, that's going to hurt a lot of coaches, Doss. Yeah, it is. It's, it's highly owned. And is there any shame in trading straight out with the Western Bulldogs matchup this week? You flagged it as why you're not picking him last week was the Western Bulldogs matchup bloodbath potential this week. What do, you, what do owners do? Or do they hold it out one more week? Gee, do, do you know his break even, Dossie? I'll have to look it up. But um, it up. I would imagine probably what you paid for him and what his break even was. It's not too flash. Don't think you can trade straight away unless you've got no other issues. It's 58 and he's still, yeah. So, it, he's not going to kill you. No, nah, he still went up 20 He should K. maintain his price at least. So, look, if you brought him in, I, I don't like bringing a bloke in just to trade him, but there's merit there if there's no other issues. All right, don't mind that. Uh, I've got just one player I want to talk about from this game. Actually, two, because you mentioned him last week, Noah Anderson. You mentioned him as a potential cheeky option uh, on the Statesman podcast on Wednesday. I just sort of laughed it off a little bit, Louis, I will say. Um, Just, you know, it's not too bad, not too bad an option. The big 120, though, uh, out the gates, the guy we're talking about, an inside-outside player, 55 break even. You couldn't, though, could you? No, you couldn't, but that was some pretty solid advice for those listening on the Wednesday (laughs) night podcast, I think. Uh, And I want to talk about the guy I talked about at the top of the show, Jack Bowes. I'm leaning towards thinking he is a legitimate 
potential top six defender this year. Is that a hot take, Louis? We've seen a big mid 130 score against West Coast in what was an incredibly high marking game. But then he's he's got the 92 against North. You know, you don't want to take too much in, in a game against North as well. But I've seen a lot of great signs. Gold Coast being so far a high marking team, which is is a sign you want in your defensive line. They're, they're sharing it around that defensive 50. He's now the number one distributor out of defense because what you've had is you've had Lukosius move up onto the wing. So that's now Bose is now the undisputed number one dude out of defense. He's also taking those kick-ins, pretty much everyone. I haven't seen anyone else take one. That's just huge for him. And I'm just I'm warming towards him as being a legitimate, very legitimate top six potential defender. Yeah, Doss, I actually think you're onto something here. So round one, I thought that the Gold Coast kick mark game style was maybe a bit of an outlier. Yeah. We're gonna see them come back to earth round two, but what we saw round two was that they actually did it again. Hmm. So, I want to see what their defenders can do this week one more time. And then I think it could be real. Yeah, I agree. Especially um, you take that West Coast game, it it did seem like an outlier. But then you have a game against North. You You can't confirm the data in a game that's a blowout like this. So, I agree. One more week data, but he's one that I'm monitoring very closely. Uh, Hawthorne v. Richmond. Richmond winning that one pretty easily. Uh, Will Day was injured. Don't think he's in a stack of teams, but that was the big take out of there. But somebody took his place uh, down back, taking a lot of those marks and racking up a big 135. It's probably not the man you're thinking I'm going to talk about to start with, but big Hardwick. Damien, Damien, not Damien Hardwick. What's his first name? Blake. Blake (laughs) Blake Hardwick. Hardwick. 135, 15 marks. Is this purely a draft little thing where it's defenders against Richmond tend to score pretty well? That first week was Essen and Hawthorne as well. High marking system allowed allowed him to do well. He's taking kick-ins though. And I would like to throw out there that he's got a little bit of that observable thirst there, Blake Hardwick. Yeah, Hardwick's someone who has popped in the past, uh, mostly in draft formats, of course. Um, I think that's what it is. It's just an outlier, 135. In a- but, you know, it follows the trends of those halfback flankers, mate. So, maybe you're onto something with Blake Hardwick. He's got a nice break even. He does. Yeah. Like, I'm considering the old switcheroo and just riding that through because he's a guy I have actually liked in the past as well. I mean, I've got him in a couple of keeper leagues waiting for that to happen. He's the, Now he's taking the kick-ins without a Sicily back there, injured all season. I mean, Will Day going down doesn't hurt his own production here. Yeah, he's he's got a very low break, even 13 for round three. I'd pick him over Tech, so I assume they're priced very similarly. Yeah, I'd suggest so. Black Hardwick's at 531. Walker quickly is 470. He's 60k okay. cheaper. He's 60k yeah, cheaper. It's, it's an awkward price. If he were 470, Blake Hardwick, I'd probably be sitting here and saying jump on. But um, look, I don't like picking these guys in classic. I really don't like taking the punch. Just especially after seeing a guy like a Lockie Shoal this week coming off 100 failing. But I think it's a different role. Uh, it's got it's got kick-ins in there. It's purely a defensive role that's showing that uh, Hawthorne's getting that high-marking system back there as well, similar to the Gold Coast in the back line. With that Will Day injury, though, Doss, do you think that opens up a spot for, uh, for a Connor Downey to maybe make his debut? That's, yeah, that's one Because we saw Day was pushing up onto that wing and mm. probably got Downey's spot in the end. So, it'd be interesting to see if he comes in. Obviously, Wingard's got to get back in that side too, though. Yeah, just another rookie to watch out for, though. And we've had a fair few tempting rookies this year already. We've been pretty lucky in that sense. I'm, I'm, I reckon the rookie carnage is, is about to happen, though, Louis. There's been a couple of underperforming guys. We might end up uh, seeing a few red dots on field soon, I think. Uh, they must be in your team, Doss. <laughs> yes, yes, it is. <laughs> uh, Titch and Dusty, both fantastic in this one. Dusty could have had about 10 goal if he didn't hand off <laughs> six of them, but he's still got a hundred and looking the goods this season. Yeah, we said it the other week. Dusty's in Brownlow form, but I think Dusty doesn't like like we saw on the weekend. Dusty doesn't need four goals to no. to win a Brownlow either. The last few years we've seen Dusty's been a nineties guy. So far, he started with a bang, but I don't know. Maybe he just falls back to that nineties sort of zone because at the moment Richmond are playing very very well. We don't see Richmond play this well this early in the season. 
That's a good point. That's a good point. They usually warm to it. They sort of coast a little bit. Yeah, Dusty looks like he's in Brownlow form at the moment. As in, not he's always in good form, but he's in Brownlow hunting form. And if you're in, if you're on the hunt for that, that Charlie, watch out for Dusty. So yeah, don't mind him as a still as a pick if you don't have him. Uh, Titch with 111. You're targeting him even with potentially O'Connor inbound this week. You just reckon he is back to his absolute best. I've seen the same sort of things. He's in my squad already. Yeah, what I've seen from Titch is that even if he does score sort of a 70-80 this week, yes, that'll hurt the uh, the bank a little bit in the break even, but um, for the next sort of 20 rounds of football, 19 rounds of football, he's going to be a top eight midfielder. And I think he's probably 70K under price at the moment. Hold or trade, Tom Phillips. I know he's he scored okay. I'm just saying, is he looking like the top six guy that we thought he would? You, you've probably got bigger issues than Tom Phillips. Yeah, I haven't heard that one. I, I'd be keeping him for real. Okay, I'm just uh, just flagging that hasn't done what we'd really hoped. I'm, I'm of course I'm holding and, and seeing how it pans out. Inside outside player, Dos. Yeah, but I, I think he's more outside. I'd say he's sort of not that inside guy, and he's probably lost all those centre bounces that were tempting for that inside facet of the game. I think he's pure outside. Maybe, but we knew we were going to get outside Tom Phillips. We did. Yeah, we did. I'm. Just, I'm, I'm nervous that there's, yeah, there's other he's, options he's not like in a he team, might not be a top six anymore. He's not in a team that lends itself to taking marks anymore. So, Hawthorne a few years ago definitely loved the kick mark style, but these days they're just not Seems as good of a team. Like they don't have doing the ball that in the back to do it. Seems like it's more just the back line. Well, in this game particularly, Richmond, as we know, they give up points to defenders though. So, it's tough to tell. Uh, Warple, McAvoy and Nank. Discuss all three of those. Uh, Warple's going to be underpriced soon. Yeah, he's a guy uh, to target. It's probably yeah. an option to target. Mm, it's tough. McAvoy, it's tough. what did he score? Only about a 50 or something, wasn't it? McAvoy was very poor. He's, is he in your squad, though? I thought he was part no, of your No, he team. was someone I was looking at. Um, someone I was going to target for the round two trades, but someone who sort of fitted the mould of the round one Ruckman, mm. who, okay, he popped 88, but there's all this data to suggest that Ruckman maybe aren't this good this year. So, he was someone I decided to avoid uh, and Nank as well. So, for the same reasons as not trusting the Ruck trends, I wouldn't be going out and targeting these guys. Yeah, McAvoy's um, only averaging the 67 and a half. He had the 88 first week, 47 against Richmond, which really hurts. He's owned by nearly 10% of coaches too. So, what do you do with a McAvoy type in that mid-price bracket, 492000 well, you probably picked McAvoy because you want that get-out clause for R1 or R2. So, I wouldn't be worrying too much. That was sort of you dug your own grave. That was your backup plan. Your backup plan's not going great at the moment, but at least it's there for when you do need to cut a Paul Hunter, a Lloyd Meeker, a Matthew Flynn. I'd back it another week. Otherwise, just back your R2 or your R1 rookies and cut McAvoy. All right. Yeah, one of two options, really. Now, Western Bulldogs, that was a really good game versing my Weagles. Unfortunately, the boys went down. But Dogs, just dominating possession once more. They were plus 94 on disposals um, in, in that matchup. And I had my question. I pretty much touched on it at the top of the pod. But do we just stack Dogs in 2021 with this game style? Yeah, if it continues on post-buy, I would definitely be looking at it. Yeah, it's it's insane. Dunks, Bont, McRae, prolific again. Bailey Smith and Libba, very solid. And Trelaw, he lifted late. I saw him, he was frustrated out on a wing, just not getting the ball that much. And I, I want to check the CBAs again on this one. I, I reckon he got injected late in the game. Yeah, had seven or eight DOS, so yeah. um, definitely six more than what he had the week previous. And can that'll I just, just keep rising. Can I just as well? mention as well, how good is Josh Dunkley? He's good. Incredible. What was a 122? Why were we worried? He's such a star. Yeah, I know. I was so worried about the tackles being able to maintain him, but it seems like- That's his role. That's the accountable football role that he's got in that midfield, and And that's how he's keeping his spot. And the fact- I I think the the thing that I thought wasn't sustainable was one of two things, and the the two- Fact of three things. So that's what scared me. Centre bounces. Was Trelaw, was other guys going to steal those centre bounces? He's still up there. For the center bounces, which was something we were worried about. He's he's getting a stack, isn't he? Two was the tackles. That's maintaining itself at the moment. It's something that I still think could regress is the tackle numbers, which he's been insane at. And third was the disposals being super high given those other two factors. Is he going to be a bit more accountable and is he going to get the center bounces? Dogs have just had that much more of the footy than everyone else that Dunks is just absolutely 
carving and looking like a must-have forward. I'm still just uh, I'm going to hold hold uh, hold back on it until we see it week to week to week. But I need to probably jump on the dunk train like everyone else is already on. Yeah, so the one difference with Dunkley in that midfield, I've said it before, is is he is the accountable one. You've got Bontempelli, who's the star. You've got Jackson McRae, who's all attack going inside 50. You've got Bailey Smith, who's sort of your brute type of guy. Adam Trelaw, Lockie Hunter, they're probably more outside. Yes, Trelaw can get on the inside, but he's a quick guy, burst away from the stoppage. Dunkley's the only sort of midfielder of that mould that they've got. Yeah, so he's pretty safe in that role, in your opinion, as well, and- He's doing nothing wrong. He's, he's absolutely oh, going to hold a, it. Um, number one trade target for me. Especially North Melbourne, and he's still in the 700K bracket too, isn't he? Yep. All right. Um, Anthony Scott might be in trouble. I'm, I'm worried about he's the sort of red dot watch for me, but given how good the dogs have been, uh, he might maintain. And Gaff is the weirdest shit start to the season player that I've seen. I, I think it's very weird that he's doing bad. I think all of us would have thought – the game style, given the open sort of games, high mark player out on the wing, just using his pretty solid leg. I wouldn't say he's got like an elite penetrating kick, but he's got that high, good quality ball use, even if it's a sort of the shorter kicks. We would have thought he would have been pretty solid, especially with the time on ground and limited interchange. He's been absolutely terrible so far. Yeah, that's what I was going to suggest, Dossie. I don't know if it's maybe just um, because his leg's not as penetrating as some of those other blokes in that Eagles side. I'm not sure if it's because they're launching from the defensive half, just like Melbourne with Barras, Cole, McGovern, these types, and he's just getting skipped over on those wings, going straight up to the land of the Giants, which is Josh Kennedy, Oscar yeah. Allen, and Jack Darling. So maybe it's just that there's not a need for the gaff chip kick in between play there. I don't know. I- I'm starting to think that maybe this is a trend. Okay. And if you're a nervous owner, 65 average over his first two games, 70 and 60. His time on ground has been where we thought it's it would be, 90 and 91% time on ground. That's not limited game time there. He's got Port Adelaide this week. He does love Optus Stadium, but Port's probably one of his poorer opposition to play. 159 break even. If you were an owner- Obviously, team dependent based on other things you've got to do. But is he a guy, if you're saying maybe this is the trend of it just going over his head, are you staying strong with it or are you just jumping off and jump back on if he comes dirt cheap and looks good again? Uh, I'd probably jump off if you're in a position where you've got no other areas to adjust, I think, just because he's still at a nice point in his price where you can go sideways or even up a little to somebody better. All right, and I have considered uh, stacking dogs. Uh, just, oh, I just, get that. I get that vibe, Doss. Yeah, I've I've certainly considered the option of doing it just to get that early early jump on the competition. I don't think I can do it based on team balance or cash. Don't have quite have the cash, but gee, I'd love to have McRae, Bont, Dunkley, everyone this week versus North uh, Fremantle versus GWS. Five goal win. GWS looked absolutely pathetic in this game. They're bad, Doss. They're terrible. They're they're no good. Um, hashtag Leon out. I think we're going to see that that continue to rise as things go on. But Nat Fife was KO'd as well in I think it was the third quarter. And just though Giants just smashed on disposals. This was another game. Freo were plus 84 on disposals, plus 33 marks, just everything. They beat them all around the ground. Um, Andy Brayshaw was one that was carving, looking like a nice option. I'd be a bit scared that this is not something that will continue throughout the year. I think he's certainly jumped up from last year, but not the 120s that he's he's been at. And he's playing a very outside game, and that's something that I'd be sort of slightly worried about, but inside-outside player, is, is he a guy that's tempting to you? He's, he's not a top eight mid, though, is he, or is he? He's someone I've looked at in Classic this week just to jump on a bloke who I think is going to enter that next level of scoring. So, okay. I, I actually really like Andy Brayshaw. I think that he feels every stat line. He tackles, he marks, he kicks. He's able to hit the um, the scoreboard. Yeah. He attends centre bounces, probably hasn't attended as many as I'd like last week. I'm not sure about this week, but- um, now with Fife out for the next next 12 days minimum, I really like Andy Brayshaw. I think he's someone you can sort of buy low now and, and maybe ride up to an 800k price tag. Yeah, he's already 756, I think. that's Yeah, that, he's 756. I think his time on ground, though, is really nice, 79 and 85%. I reckon Sarong, people were hoping Sarong would do this. I thought Sarong might get up to that 105 kind of guy. 
it's been Brayshaw that's just stepped up another level, hasn't it? Yeah, so the trend actually with these guys that played low time on ground last year, and I probably everyone probably should have realised this, including myself this year, is that it's now longer games. So that yeah. time on ground yeah. doesn't necessarily translate to another preseason. He's going to play no. more game like time. Tom Green and Sarong, basically exactly. Yeah, the same exactly. Deal. So I'd worry about guys with low time on ground like a Sarong. Although I think he scored okay on the weekend, so. Yeah, a bit better. I think I don't think it was much, much more impressive than what we'd... Uh, it's not in the hundreds. It was maybe even a high 70s. I, I don't think he did that great. But Monday, though, Evergreen, 120. <laughs> Look at him as an option. Don't really. Uh, Chera was really solid again. And some people are thinking about him as an option, 98 in this game. Could you... Could You'd you You'd have to go Brayshaw over Chera at this, this, this stage. Yeah, yep. Definitely. Uh, and then that's about it from this. We have to talk about the stinking Giants, though. Timmy Taranto is a guy. He had 42 at quarter time, and we were just licking our lips. Owners of Timmy T, like most of the comp, I think he's owned by a stack of people. 86 at full time. That's that's a stinking three quarters that we've had compared to what we thought we were going to get out of him. He was priced at 92. He's not going much higher than that at the moment. We were expecting, you know, 105 to 110 sort of range for Tim Taranto looked super underpriced is he still going to get there Louis I think he can uh the only con- it, the concern isn't Tim Taranto the concern is GWS and not sort of returning to their fantasy scoring days so they went to eighth in the competition for fantasy scoring last year mm. uh the year before that they were first I thought they would bounce back off year you know what have you but just seeing their game style it it's it's not a very good one. Like you said, no. they're not a very good team at the moment. So, the fact Taranto was able to score 42 in the first quarter, massive tick just suggests that there's burst scoring and probably not someone we have to worry about because if he puts it together for two quarters instead, suddenly that score becomes a 120. But wouldn't be worried too much about Taranto because you have a feeling that they're gonna that he's going to get forward status, don't you, Dossie? Well, that was Stato's big call last week on the Statesman Wednesday show. He said... Mark it in. That's the big call. Statesman was Tim Taranto forward status. I think Freako, Fantasy Freako might have tweeted out there as well that he spent enough time forward in, in week one that he was well on track to a forward, forward status for fantasy. Yeah. He's a guy that I want to hold strong with. But like you're saying, if this is just who the Giants are now, I don't want to borrow that. Like, I, I wouldn't be opposed to if you've got nothing to do. If you don't think the Giants are going to come back to being a fantasy-relevant team, why would we hold these guys and just let them stink it up every week in our team? If they're going to just get trounced like they did against Freo this week, I don't want to be a part of a team that's just going to get rolled like that. No, I think the, the upside there with Taranto is that he's probably more of a tackler than your, um, than your Kellys and maybe to a lesser extent Cornelio. So, he, at least he can build his score that way, but... They're not controlling as much of the pill. That's a big concern. Very, very concerning. Louis, we might get to just a few questions because we're running pretty – we've had a very extensive round review this week. So, we'll just get a few questions from Twitter and then we'll finish up here. But you can find us at PodPodAFL on Twitter. We will be having a Wednesday show with a very special guest. Not going to reveal who that is just yet, but we'll get to any questions we don't answer on this podcast on the Wednesday one. So, just tune into that. But we've got one here from Nathan Q. Do I get Charlie Lazaro in? Also, is Sarong to Brayshaw a stupid move? I think Lazaro, we didn't mention him. I really like him as a rookie option. I saw enough. I know we've got Cunnington coming in, but I saw enough from him on the weekend. He was a real goer. Uh, full game where he actually played solid time on ground and he got a set in the 70s. He's only got a seven break even and he's still in that really low 200K. I, I like him as an upgrade from a sharp if he was to to get the six certificate from uh, from school and not manage to play though. I do like him. He's got a really awkward game this week in that he plays on the yeah. Friday three o'clock slot. So, we're not even going to know Saturday teams for him, which makes things a little bit hard. Mm. Um Look, I'm not going to sit here and tell you how good a rookie is because the truth is nobody really knows. Um, if they've got a low break even, then hopefully you get a nice little price rise out of them. The major concern with Lazaro would be that Hall was the sub on the weekend. DeMont is two to three weeks away. Cunnington is back this week. And we already saw that Anderson affected that midfield group already. So I think that there's a lot of things that have to go right for Charlie Lazaro to hold his spot in that side for three to four weeks for him to generate 
enough cash for it to be viable. Yeah, I'm on the side. I'm pretty keen, but like you're saying, that that does put me off a little bit with the, especially with the time slot of the game. And also, I think one thing that we probably forgot, or maybe didn't forget, but maybe didn't put enough emphasis on with North with the rookies, aside from the fact that these midfielders coming back, we certainly have put enough emphasis on that. Is just if you are in in a garbage team and you're a rookie. You're not, if they're not touching the footy, there's no chance the rookies are going to be touching the footy. And even though they're cheap and they have great job security in a young team, they're probably just not scoring enough to build that cash up anyway. That's it. I think the, we're going to see a change with the rookies later on in the year when teams realize that, and North maybe probably already know this already, that, okay, our season's a write off. Let's get the games into the kids. I want you, you and you. You know, one to three year players at the center bounce. Yeah. Let's start kickstarting this, you know, next generation. So I think eventually North rookies will come into relevance, but right now it seems like they're sort of trying to jig their startup um, players so that they can play a certain brand of football over a number of years. Yeah. Uh, that being said, I'm still very closely monitoring Lazaro. Oh, definitely. If, I think, yeah. especially with the lack of rookies, if you don't already have. You know, all the ones that are popping right now, he's probably the only other one that's there. Just the way he went about it, really promising signs. Matt Mottram, do, what to do with Steve-O, uh, St- Jaden Stevenson? Would you tick off a Dugowie to- oh, Well, that's the first question. What to do with Steve-O? That's, he's got a few here. So, he brought him in last week or did he start with him? That's a good question, but it doesn't matter, Louis. Uh, if you brought him in last week, I think- Is it just a mindset? <laughs> I think you got to wait. If you- yeah. You brought him in for a reason. I think, you hold, I think you hold Steve-O. I know it was worst case scenario last week. I think it's going to be worst case scenario this week. So, <laughs> if, if that puts you off, then trade him out. But personally, I'd probably wait. Okay. Uh, would you tick off a Dugowie to Dunks trade based on Dugowie playing forward from Matt? We already sort of touched yep. on that. Yep. Uh, and last one, can we play the break-even game and get Tex with Suns and North coming up? Can you do it? I I think what we've found, uh, and speaking with Statesman as well on Wednesday and yourself, we've both said this. You just we've found even with your Jaden Stevensons, and unfortunately, I I really didn't see um, Lockie Shoal playing that poorly. I thought his sort of was a bit more um, sustainable with a sort of eighty to eighty five. Hopefully, he can bounce back to that. It's one game that he played poorly. We've seen though with these mid pricey guys, they just haven't paid off in most cases, and that's probably going to be the case with the text. You, you, can you just play the break? Oh, you hit the game? nail on the head right there, Dossie. So, last week, we were arming and arming whether or not to trade in a Stevenson, who's average 80 as a forward at Collingwood. Now, this week, we're sort of arming and arming over Tex, priced around about the same. Key forward. No, isn't it? Only no. average 55. It's got to be a no. I, I understand following the, the break-even yeah, game, but yeah. you can't even look at it as, oh, Suns North, because that's Collins Tarrant. And they're two of the better key position players in the competition. So, for all you know, text dishes up a 40 and that cash generation is gone. But like I said earlier on in the podcast, you have to be prepared to carry text if you can't get him out of your side. Yeah. Uh, Sarong to Brayshaw, is that a stupid move? We forgot to answer that no, question. No, I like it. All right. And even with- uh, There's another question about Sarong here. Do you, do you think Sarong gets the bump in the midfield time though with Fife out? He did last year, but- it's tough to say. I don't know what his fitness base is like. We've seen that that time on ground has continued on from last year. I reckon it'll sort of trend upwards throughout the year, but I'd just watch this space maybe. Uh, Tim Guest, two of three out, out Clark, Sarong and or Dugowie. Okay, so he wants to decide who to go out. Two out of three of these, Clark, Sarong and or Dugowie, and two out of three in Dunks, Dusty, and or Brayshaw. What are your thoughts there, Louis? Uh, so, I'd probably go Dunks, Dusty for in, and then out, I guess I would go Clark, Sarong. Who was the third one? Dugowie. Yeah, maybe Clark. You, you can't go wrong with any of those, really. Right. I wouldn't trade any of them, but um, if you're in a luxury spot like that, then uh, I'd be looking at Dunkley and Dusty and then maybe spin a wheel for your last out. <laughs> I don't know. Sounds good. It's hard when you can't see people's teams. Yeah, it's 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 all very dependent on your full squad. Uh, Anthony asks, loving the pod pod. Thanks very much, Anthony. Caldwell to Butters, Hind or Sloan? Caldwell to Butters, Hind or Sloan? 
Don't mind Sloan there, actually, but I'd probably chase Butters with the lower break even just to guarantee yourself a little bit of extra cash on top of that. Just that forward status as well. And maybe just check those CBAs. I, I don't I don't know if they were up or not, but it'd be good to see if they were uh, to monitor that. Shenanigans. Chucking the doc, uh, Dugowie, Dr. Goey uh, was the, uh, the typo there. Chucking Dr. Goey and Higgins. Got in hind with a low break even of 29 and great scores. Second trade, though, McRae, Titch, Dusty, or Generate Cash with Chad Warner have all other big rookies and the rucks are sound. Cheers, lads. So pretty tough to read that one there, uh, shenanigans. Maybe uh, uh, go to the go to the press release first there and fix that up a little bit. But what do you think there, Louis? Um, just trying to keep up with that question. Probably <laughs> I would keep... Or rather, I'd target the underpriced keeper premium there, which would be Titch. Okay. I think we'll get to the rest uh, on the Wednesday show with our special guest. But thanks very much, everyone, for listening. Louis, where can we find you on the Twits? Uh, you can follow me, message me anytime, at AF. Always keen to talk a bit of fantasy. I'm at HK Dawson. Follow the show at Pod Pod AFL. Remember to subscribe, follow. And if you listen on uh, Apple device there just leave us a cheeky little rating and review i think we did get a review this week we might read it out on the next show thanks very much everyone for listening and we'll see you on wednesday for that q a i'll give you a hint on uh on who's coming on he's coming on to make a noise and make it clear all right thanks very much for listening see you wednesday see you wednesday